Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. April Fool's Day, Jay. What up? Did you get any pranks played on you for April Fool's? Nope, but I uh, wish I played. I, I remember thinking, like, I'm going to play a bunch of pranks, and I didn't. And I'm like, dang it, now I, I always did. think about after the fact. Yeah, I was going to do I, the, like, the famous, like, we're pregnant. Yeah, that we do that one like, always. People believe that, like, yeah. totally. Um, but uh, I just forgot. We, we played one on Friends. We're going to Hawaii to visit some friends. Yeah. And we're like, oh, Julie's like, Brad, oh, got, another, like Brad got another concussion. It's his Can't third one. Out. The doctor's saying he probably shouldn't oh, go anywhere. Nice. Yeah, so we got we snagged him. Nice, we got nice. Him There's some funny ones I saw online. There was general conference this weekend. That was. There was general conference. We had our in-laws in, Lexi's parents. It was cool. Did you cool get to down. watch it? Yeah. Do you have yeah. any, do you, any um, uh, conference I like, uh, well, first of all, I have three little kids, so <laughs> not a lot of uh, paying attention. It was pretty challenging. But they did awesome. They're I can better. imagine. Told him to play Legos. Like, did you do the? Have you tried the candy game? What's that? I even did that. So you get candy with different types of candy, like red M and M's, green M and M's, and you put labels on it. So like, when they say faith, you get a green one. When they say oh, repentance, you get a red one. Oh, I I love doing that. I like that. So yeah, you oh, that'll that'll, that'll keep your year. kids listening. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah. Rusty's at that age where I think he'll listen. But don't let him pick like uh, faith. <laughs> and they'll oh be yeah, when like, they hear it all the yeah. time. <laughs> you oh, gotta, yeah. you gotta, you have to prove the words. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's good. That's really good. Um, I had a talk that you know every time I'm listening to him, you're thinking I'm thinking about ARP and totally. how they relate. I totally. loved. I mean, there's too many to list, and I'm not one of those guys that can quote different parts yeah. of talks, but. I really loved, I thought of ARP a lot when Elder Jeffrey Holland said song, sung, and unsung. Okay. And he kind of talked about how we all, because I have a horrible voice for singing. <laughs> and my radio voice is probably pretty good. Your but radio voice is solid. Singing, I'm, I even got approval from our chorister to not sing in choir because I'm nice. out of tune. not be hounded. Yeah, she yeah. don't hound me anymore because I sang for her. I sing happy oh, birthday, awesome. and she's like, yeah, you don't show up oh, for so it. Oh, so that's what I get off of that. Okay, cool. I think your voice, that's how you do it. Yeah. Um, and then they won't bug you anymore. But uh, so he talked about we all sit next to that person that sings really good and then we actually sound like better and we start singing louder. Yeah. Uh, and then he related to the choir where we can't all be tenors. It sounds annoying if we're sure. all tenors, if we were all basses. Yeah, a choir makes up of all different voices. And that's our church, too. Sometimes we all want to be the Peter on. Priesthood guy or whatever. Like we all we all want to be monolithic. But, you know, when we got a little flavor in the ward. When we embrace that, we sound great. And I, to me, that's our ARP meetings. When we're here, salt we've got earth. we have the salt of the earth, and we got a wide variety of backgrounds, and it just makes it beautiful. Adds flavor. Flavor, yeah. So shout out to all all you in ARP that I I you're the salt that brings salt flavor. Salt of the earth, man. Um, if we lose our and, and when you share your stories that are unique and different than than maybe the other people in your in your Sunday school or your quorum, you're going to add a lot of a lot of flavor and a lot of flavor to their meeting, and then also may help someone. Yeah, that's the whole point. Um, you you were mentioning something about a cool conference. Yeah, conference. Uh, oh yeah, I can't remember what. A, I'm actually drawing a blank. Uh, yeah, no, I can't. I can't remember. Like I, I remember there was one that I specifically 
we, you have a, a friend that? that hadn't been to church for quite a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And started going, uh, I'll give the backstory okay, and I'll yeah, let you cool. fill in. So this this gentleman hasn't, this is like gives a lot of hope for family members, maybe with a wayward child, right? Yeah, this dude totally. left the church when he was young, mm-hmm. like maybe priest, maybe 18 years old. Yeah. Bailed, hadn't been to church maybe since then, didn't go on a mission, uh, lived a worldly life. Uh, and two weeks ago, maybe two weeks, two weeks, stepped into a church for the first time in, in that many years. And this was his first general conference, maybe since he was forced to sit there as a teenager. And where was he watch? Where did he watch conference? His parents' house. He we, could, he could easily watch it at his house or on his laptop or whatever and set or on his TV or whatever. Instead, he decided to go to his parents' house. And I thought as a parent, I'm like, man, how stoked is that mom and dad? Totally. For the last 17, 17 20 years, years yeah. praying, crying, hoping, their son hoping would come that their son would come back. And yeah. April 2017, their son is sitting there taking notes. Two weeks over. Came taking to a notes in general conference every at week. their house. Working the steps. Did already one, two, and three. I mean, he's just working the awesome. program, man. When it proves to me when I meet people like that, it proves that there's people out there that are ready. It's like when you're on your mission, right? And you like we all have the people that will take the lessons and discussions and they'll string you along for a long time. Don't make commitments. Not, they don't, they keep don't make commitments. commitments, but they'll they'll let you in every time and they'll talk to you, blah blah. There's a lot of those out there, but reality is like when I meet um, people like him, I I realize that um, that there you know there are people out there that are ready, and that's what it takes in this program. You got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired, and once you're there, then you're ready to go. Yeah, so I thought that was a cool. That was, that cool. was the coolest conference story. I, yeah, I mean that was a cool. Yeah, but I, there was one talk. There's only one talk that I actually like, caught with like with no kids making any noise. That's, and that's I was tough with young kids. Uh, yeah. The great thing now is you can pop it on audio. Yeah, we re- recorded like, it all on our TV. So, we'll but it's on your phone. Like yeah. you just hit it on any drive. I, I. Yeah, I need to go back and do it. It's 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 awesome. So yeah. technology has made it made conference so much for me not work. a reader because yeah. I got my lazy eye it's hard for me to read and you don't like to read. So for you and I, I we probably just read. <laughs> specify that. We embrace the audio version of it. Back in the day when I first joined the church, I would uh I used to have to wait till they came out on CD and I go Deseret and buy yeah, them buy and it. then I down then I download them onto my iTunes and then put them onto my iPod and then I'd listen to them on job sites when I was in construction. My daughter's on a road trip right now and her iPhone won't sync. And she pulled up my old, probably the iPod, your first one, the round yeah. dial one. Oh, yeah. She found the that like one? in the stash because she was all bummed her music. And then she synced that. It was like 32 gigs. She was so stoked at the dials, like super old school. Yeah. I found my old iPod the other day and um, I was all stoked, but uh, it doesn't hold charge anymore. So maybe the battery's uh, dead. But man, remember how those cool old ones those things were? were? Yeah. Remember how revolutionary? I mean, like oh, the thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah. Crazy snowboard. I remember my first year snowboarding with it. That was like that was it because I used to have to snowboard with a CD, with a CD thing. Like that. <laughs> it would skip and every time out, you jump. Well, then they came out with uh, Sony came out with the extreme one Ooh, the, that you can that had these locks, these yeah. little latchets. That uh, it was like the G-Shock watch where it was like you could you could throw it and bounce it, and, and it that's how the CD, the CD player was. And then so I remember because I snowboarded a lot as a kid, and so when that iPod came out, it was like, dude, I charged. So you younger hard. kids have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, or oh, the oh. one where are you old enough to? I had a cassette tape in my truck, yeah. so I had the cassette yeah. tape that'd go in with the wire with the coming off, coming out, yeah. coming out oh, that yeah, I plug sure. into my portable CD player. My first truck was like that. My Chevy S10. <laughs> I forget it. My lower Chevy S10. Under thirty, you probably have no idea what we're talking nope. about. Nope. 
Nope. So the struggle good. was real. It's not anymore. Got any addiction news? I got one, I, but yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I actually have one. I don't read, but um, <clears throat> I did see this pop up on Facebook. Um, talked about. Uh, well, I'll, I'll actually play a clip right now. Let's let's see if this audio works here. Hold on one second. Woody Harrelson has finally quit smoking marijuana. The actor was one of Hollywood's most well-known marijuana enthusiasts. But Harrelson tells Vulture that he hasn't smoked pot in nearly a year. He cites 30 solid years of partying for his decision to quit. He also says he felt like the drug was keeping me from being emotionally available. Still, he has nothing bad. So, I thought that's awesome because when wow. I read that is he feels emotionally unavailable and i sponsor and a lot of people that are weed he's been a big advocate Huge. for weed for 30 he, years i've seen him in three different documentaries yeah like praise pro it. pro weed yeah. like pro weed documentaries and stuff like that that change legislative um and for him to come out and say that um and you know it goes on of course to say like oh well he still praises this but reality is if if someone feels like they need to not have it in their life, like I mean, dude, there's well, he talked about being emotionally disconnected, yeah. and you you that is a good visual of unplugging those yeah. phone cords. Yeah, like an old yeah yeah. Well, dude, that I mean, it says in these steps, it talks about the the disease. Basically, it's it's self imposed isolation, and that's what it does. Is our disease of addiction, no matter what to what drug it is, it isolates us from the rest of the world from. From God, our Heavenly Father, from the Spirit, from our friends, um, it just isolates us, and then and then eventually, you know, leads us to destruction. So the fact that he recognized that he was being isolating or emotionally unavailable, how does he put it? It's pretty cool, man. Good for you, Woody. Good for you. I think you're an amazing I'm, actor. I'm a, I'm a huge a Woody fan. fan. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. He's a good man. I, yeah, he's Ever funny. Since, uh, White men can't jump, dude. I love that movie as a kid, and then Kingpin. All right, let's go. Did you see the article that was we posted on our Facebook? Star athlete to injury to opiates to addiction to death. No, I didn't see that. How many times have we seen that story? I was going to say it sounds like a story here all the time. And this talk about it's sad that we're in a world now that like that's normal. That is sad, and it and like and I have these people that reach out. Like I've had three more families reach out this week. Like ra like family that have a family member that they're hoping is going to call me. And like they write these giant texts and these like it's going to be some or a phone call or whatever, and I think they're expecting a response that's going to be like, oh, you know, I'm like that you've got some magic sauce you can just give them. And well, I think more so that'll be really like, oh my gosh, I'm so so. But oh, it's like I not. am sorry, but it's like one of those things where it's just like, yeah, yeah, I hope they call. Here's my number. I think you know what I mean. Like, unfortunately, I wish you were the first parent that's called me in my life, but you know, or loved one. But it's so. Um, I, I mean, the, the prescription of opiates has such an epidemic, really. I mean, what happened to putting mud on it and just toughing it out? And it's like, that's gone. we can't feel any pain anymore. And that's so how I was, let's I was conditioned it, as a kid, to any take. kind of pain. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Is there, and it is our culture because I have a lot of students from other countries and, you know, they'll have a headache or this or that. And I'm like, oh, go, go to the office and get some and Tylenol or Advil. And they're like, no, yeah. like they won't take it. Dude, my wife is like, when I first met my wife, our first year of marriage, and like I watched her have headache. Like, first of all, she rarely has physical ailments, lucky her. But even when she gets a headache, like she has to be like dying on her deathbed before she'll take an Advil. And like, I wake up and I'm like, it, uh, I, wait, <laughs> allergies could be coming. You pro prophylactically I, I, take I'm it. I'm a prophylactor, man, when it comes to like taking, uh, taking in, uh, Excedrin, all this other stuff. And that led to opiates too. Like, when I became addicted to opiates, Oh man, I think I'm gonna. Oh, is that my back? Oh, yep, it's hurting. Run to the pills. I worry now. I'm just thinking as a parent. 
Like how many times were we like, get a Band-Aid. Oh, let's, you have a headache, let's do this. You're conditioned. You're you conditioned to go take a pill. You're conditioning kids for an easy out. Yeah. Like, right. and I was conditioned from a young age, not just with drugs, but also when life got stressful or hard to get an easy way out. And that's, that leads to, I mean, you get, there's a lot of correlation, I guess I'm saying, with drugs and alcohol because it's an easy solution. No, right, you take okay. a pill, you take a drink, do whatever, look at porn, whatever it is, man, for your solution. That that is okay. That's you notice. You'll notice that the common theme with all of us addicts and alcoholics, or whatever type of addict you are, um, most of us were raised in an environment where we had someone clean up our mess for us or make our bed for us. Occasionally, that's not the case, but for the most part, we were conditioned from a young age to not be able to handle or deal with stress. We, because someone else is taking it yeah. for us. Someone shared in our meeting tonight powerfully um, the codependency, and and it it hit me like really what that means today tonight um, because it means that like you can't fix someone, and when you try to cover up or make it better for someone else, that's what codependency is. And versus in a gospel sense, working on your own salvation. And getting your like uh, some? Do you say that like clean your own side of the street? Yeah, well, keep yeah, your own side of the street clean. A. It's like just keep your side of the street clean. That's what someone told me when me and my wife were separated. Was, well, you know what, dude? Unfortunately, like you're on your side of the street now. Like you know, you're not even in the same house, and so you gotta just keep your side of the street clean. And you can't control other people. And that was huge. It was the first time I heard it was revolutionary to my mind because in my mind, I'm I'm an there's a book I read. It's called The Road Less Traveled. Dr. Scott Peck, it was written a long time ago, but basically this doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, he had managed psych wars, very decorated in psychology and psychiatry. Um, there's two types of people in this world. There's those who have a character defect he relates them to and those who are who, who, um, who are a narcissist. There's, you're, you fit into one of those two categories. Okay. And if you have the character defect person, you are the one who's more likely it's a victim, like it's never your fault. It's always the world's fault. It's someone else's fault, right? You're not the way you're the way you are because of something else. It's always an accidental thing that's happening. If you were the narcissist, um, of course we know what a narcissist is, right? Like where you know it's all you. On the, we usually it's think me, it's a narcissist as a praise thing, but it's yeah. also in the negative. So when the world, like you heard from that same person tonight, um, when they were sharing about their um, spouse who's an addict, um, it was all about fixing them. Yeah, uh, that's actually the narcissist. Right, because if you're a character defect, you'd go, "Oh, I'm a victim here. Like, why is this happening to me?" Instead, you heard, "Oh, I'm gonna go fix this. I'm gonna go fix the problem. I'm gonna go fix his addiction. It's my, it's my job to work out his salvation." Oh, yeah. Okay. And they said something very powerful tonight. This person in our meeting, "Oh, you're responsible for your own salvation." Right. And that hit me it. when she said that. Yeah. And when you think about that, and that, when you put it in that perspective, that alone is hard enough. If we all just focus on our own stuff, like, dude, that's yeah. a lot of work for the rest of our life. That's yeah. got us all covered. Yeah. But the narcissist or the character defect, we're one of the two. It's not a bad thing which one you are. You look at it as a negative. When I first read the book, I'm like, crap, I'm a narcissist. Now, you can be both. I've been both. You know, I've been a victim. I can be a victim. You can go back and forth. But it was just interesting character, the way he explains that. I think once you acknowledge that, it, it kind of sets you free. The whole point of that is to develop find your roadmap. This works perfect for addiction. That's why a guy gave it to me. But to read, um, um, James, who we've had on the podcast, gave it to me to read because uh, it's all about identifying your roadmap and the things you were given from your environment as a kid and how to create a new one. So it was good. Yeah, it was a great book. If you're listening, read The Road Less Traveled.
All right, my last uh, story I want to talk about is I'm going to bra- uh, brag about my daughter. Um, she daughter's awesome. She's on She's one awesome. of my daughters. Oh. My All my daughters are awesome. All your daughters are awesome. You um, three. My one that's on a mission. Uh, that's the one I was thinking about. Is, they're all awesome. Is I got, for, for my wife loves Mondays because she gets the letters from, from oh, her. Yeah, and yeah. usually I get a few lines here and there. Yeah. Um, but this week, my wife, I came home and my wife's like, she's like, yeah, Haley was pretty short. Like she didn't send me that much. I was like, oh, that's because she was emailing me. Ah. <laughs> and she was really looking forward because I brought her to ARP, as you know, before mission. Yep. She's going to uh, an area of, of New Mexico where there's high amount of addiction. Yeah. And I said, you're, you, this is going to come in handy. I want you to come learn about this because you've been pretty sheltered. In Smart, our, in our, wise father, um, you are. And so I've, I've, you know, I've sent her the recordings of our podcast and and really ask her about it all the time. And so she's like, finally, is like, in my new, we've taken over a new ward and we go to ARP every week and we bring people there. And she's like, there's only about six people at a 10. She's like, but we met this non-member who, who's a longtime AA uh, guy, but has been kind of been relapsing a little bit and hasn't been going to a meeting lately. And she's like, you need to come to our Mormon ARP meeting. And and he was like, all right, I think I need to come. And then she said it was raining that night. He only has a motorcycle. All these things. It was raining. He only has a motorcycle. It was like 20 minutes away. <sighs> and so she's at the meeting and I could totally, you know, you're, you're there. And she's yeah. like, oh, I hope he comes. And, and, and all of a sudden, <laughs> motorcycle shows up. In the rain. Cam's at the meeting like and G. he's the only one who shared. And she said, brought it home, like brought recovery home, working the yeah. steps. And and I was like, that's awesome. Tell that guy he's rad and we need him in our ARP meetings. Because a lot of the people when they're new, they don't know what they don't. You know, if you're new to in the church and it's a new ARP meeting, a senior couple running the meeting, probably not in recovery. You yeah. know, they're just they're reading the book and like, OK, we're supposed to do this. Yeah, it says we we're supposed to do? to do this. I mean, our meetings down here, we got our culture like they, they used to be a different way when they were ran by a couple that weren't in the program, like they weren't addicts themselves. But then when it got taken over by James, who we've interviewed um, here before, he brought AA into it. Like, right. you know, not, not all- It's the traditions. The traditions, yeah. yeah. Where you go around like, in, you know, and just a lot of the traditions, uh, which is good. But I, those traditions are, I, I have a testimony of them. Well, they're like- <laughs> in, they're, in the meetings I know I'm familiar with around here that don't do those traditions, they don't- the They're fruits different, of, right? The fruits of recovery are not as fruitful. Totally. That's so, why, like, we don't need to – it's, like, one of those things where we don't have to – when the wheel's not, you know, broke, you don't fix it. So we got a what. couple minutes here to talk about some of those traditions that we do here that may not be happening chips. in other meetings so we give out here. we give out chips. We go around – so we certain lengths of sobriety, you can go to an AA store, order them online. Mm-hmm. So okay, we do chips for certain lengths of sobriety. We go so, around, we introduce yourself by name. So first thing we do is in, opening yeah. prayer. Opening prayer. Introduce right, ourselves by first name only. First name only. And, and you identify. So we, we, we encourage people to identify. You don't just say your name. You so identify whether you're an addict or not. We've created a culture of – Addicts in recovery mm-hmm. share that they're an addict in recovery. Yeah, or or specific yeah. about it's very different. Everyone's unique, but like specific about their addiction. Yeah, so that newcomers can relate. I'm a food addict. Yeah, and the reason why we do that is like it was explained to me is so that way the newcomer that comes in just like I was four and a half years ago, you come in there broken, thinking no one's like you. But when, when someone says I'm a drug addict or I'm an opiate addict or I'm a heroin addict, whatever it is, then when they hear their share later in the meeting, you're like, whoa, I can relate to that person, and they are an opiate addict, just like you know. There's yeah. hope. That guy's so, happy. So, so there's that. 
We read a st the format of reading a step and then sharing. Talk a little bit more about the chips. Oh, the chips. Uh, so we certain lengths of sobriety of newcomer chip. We give out to if it's your first time to a meeting, um, or if you're new in recovery and you have 29 days or less, you come up and get a chip every week until you get your 30 days. So you come and get four, and then you get your 30. 30 day, 60 day, 60 90 day, 90 day. day, and then yeah, it goes up to what, what's the six how, nine months. What's a year. this? How does that help you in recovery? Um, it just gives you something to work. Some people are extreme. Like there's apps that you can have on your phone, your iPhone and stuff, or your Droid, and um, it counts your days and stuff. And that's good. Some people need that. Like I've heard people say, like if it wasn't for these chips, I wouldn't be sober. For me, it wasn't so much that way. But some people, it is. You know, like it was good to kind of check myself. Like I remember when I got to my year, you feel really good. You're like, oh man, I've done okay. All the ups and downs of that year, I made it sober. That's huge. And something I observe is the recognition of others that are maybe have that's the main thing. One week in, two weeks in, and that's they're like the main. that dude or that lady right there, she's got two years. They're now laughing, like it says in there, you yeah. see people now laughing and joy and, and getting chips. Yeah. They're identifying still. They're yeah. saying I'm still an addict, but I'm because, sober. Because we need you if you're listening to this as well and you've got time under your belt and our church culture is like, hey, atonement worked on me. I'm clean. I'm such our culture. I'm peace out. I'm not. The atonement I'm worked, not man. mentioning that I drank ever again. Ever again, because those are in the past. Yeah, that was past is past. And then all of a sudden, you got these people in the room that are dying to hear your story, and they're literally and, out there dying. Like they're spiritually dying yeah. first, and then they physically die yeah, so. because they don't think that anyone else in this freaking church is like them. Yeah, they're all perfect. We're That's all perfect. what we heard tonight. It was like, man, I finally found a place where I'm home. Yeah. You feel home, and that dude for me. I heard someone say that when I first came, and that's how it ended up becoming. This is my home. I've had a lot of stuff I'm dealing with lately on my personal life, and then I came tonight, and it was like, dude, this meeting just like I feel so good right now. So it's amazing. Okay, so uh, so that introductions, then, uh, um, going chips. Yeah, we do and the chips, the and then and identifying. I think, so and then also we read. So the step format, like you can go to twelve step meetings that are in AA, and they read the step, and then they do share after. So that comes from them as well. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's basically it. And anonymity, you know, like you know, not everyone's like me, and that's fine. And a tradition is not a, a lesson or a preaching. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, because uh, because there are before. there are meetings that are in AA or in a where they are speaker meetings. They are speaker meetings, but that's not what a twelve step meeting is about. Yeah, is a speaker meeting where yeah. you're at. We believe these formats. If you're using twelve steps, this is a twelve step format, right? Like so, you do the format where you share you you in introduce yourself, you introduce the principle, you say a prayer introduce each other, give out chips, read the step that read all the 12 steps. And then after you're done with the 12 steps, then you pick up whatever step you're on. We were on step I can't remember two, five, 5. Oh, oh, actually we're doing step 8. We're on step 8 right now on this podcast. Okay, so step 8, you read that and then afterwards you don't go you read the action steps, you read the actual principle and then you read the action steps. You don't go into the questions. And when you stop, you go in a, you, you can either go in a circle with sharing. And, and direct message us if you want, if you need a script, if you don't have it in your area, I'll yeah. send you our script. I'll, I'll give you the details. So. Yeah, because you want to have the, there's a mission statement mm -hmm. that we have. And A, they have, the, they read the, the serenity prayer. I, I had a lady from a neighboring state that wants us to come speak. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. And, uh, but a lot of us in the church culture is like, well, what's the church? Like, the church tells us to do this. I'm like, sister, like, it's just me. It's just you. Like, get out there and do it. I'll give yeah. you the script. Just start. Just do it. You don't need, there's no like high art. And there's LDS family services, but they're so busy with their thing. Like, it, it, the, the, the effective meetings I know that are around here are just, it's maybe not in Utah, outside of Utah. You just man up, girl up. Yeah. Call, I'll 
yeah, send us a direct message and I'll let, I'll talk yeah. your stake president. You know, I'll, I'll let you know how to get it started. It's not totally. a lot of, it doesn't take a lot of work to get it going. You just need people to be there. You build it, people will come. You build it, you talk about it, people will come. I'll say the key was is if you're looking to start a meeting in your area, because um, there has been people who reach out to both of us about that. Um, you Once you get the, you, you first do what Brad did where he went to all the stake presidents, found a stake that's willing to do it. Hopefully it's yours. You know, if you're in a location where there's only one stake by you, yeah. then you get if that they stake. they won't, get a neighboring stake. Get a neighboring stake, right? We were willing to do that. And then once you do that, then you do uh, council meetings where you're, go, you're going to all the, you know, going to the meetings. Ward councils. Ward councils, elders quorum, relief right. society, seminary. Remember yeah. we did the seminary yeah. ones? I mean, you do those and then, dude, we had what, like 30 people tonight? We, the room was packed. Room, there wasn't a chair. There wasn't an empty chair. And this is, but you know, the first couple of meetings we had like ten, which was awesome because, dude, my first meetings were like four or five. And so, dude, the point is, is everyone in this room is new to recovery, and if this meeting didn't exist, where would they go? Yeah, it's where, where do they go? I don't know. Well, <laughs> Maybe well, down, not everyone's down new, but you got a chunk but, that have got recovery time for the most part. It would not have. When I mean new, I mean like this is their first meeting they've ever been to true but 90 percent of them is like yeah there are some that have been to AA and other yeah. meetings but for the most part the a lot of them in here this yeah. is their first meeting just like me like i, yeah. I don't go to AA. Yeah. i love AA, and i've learned a lot about it and i've read all the books on it but i've never i've only been to one AA meeting so we're getting a lot of love from around the world and if you don't have an aarp meeting again you can search arp.lds.org arp.lds.org search for meeting if you don't have one in your area and you're in recovery, or you know someone recovery. You need someone in recovery to run the, as a facilitator. That's ideal, so they can talk about the steps. Um, well, we I'll walk you through how to get one going, and I'll talk to who you need who needs to. So that's your challenge. Boom. Let's uh, let's end it because I think our Asiatic might be a little long as well. So this might be a long podcast. Sweet. Just warning. It's worth it. All right. Uh, we'll go to your share on 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 step eight, Jay. All right. Listen up. <laughs> Grateful to be here as always. <clears throat> this step would have been impossible in my disease, meaning like when I was using uh, prescription drugs and all the other things I was doing in my life before I got sober. Uh, there's no way like seeking real forgiveness was possible. Um, anytime I'd ever asked for forgiveness, it was all just so I could clear my conscience so I, I felt better. It had nothing to do with really caring about the other people's problems or their feelings. Uh, I don't think I realized that for a long time, but... Um, I remember a few months into being sober, my Lexi came back, my wife came back, my life started to come back together. And I remember uh, the longer I had sober, like, you know, I think 90, 90 days around that time, around 100 days, I started to realize, like, whoa, I was a real piece of, like, well, I, was, I was a piece, man. Like, I, I, like, I didn't care about anyone but myself. And that was a lot all at once. But, um, you know, I, I, I love this step because... Uh, and this is just, you're just making a list. And in the beginning, you know, if you're coming in here for your first time or you haven't even done step one, then you don't got to worry about step eight yet. And even if you're done step seven, you're on step eight, our brain automatically, if you're like me, wants to go to the step nine. Like we're always thinking ahead, right? Like a lot of us have a, most addicts are all the same. Most people are this way, but especially addicts, we, we, we live in the past. We shame ourselves for the past and we way too much focus on the future to the point where it paralyzes us because we can't control things that aren't in the present, right? So the, by, by when we focus on that future, we just get all that anxiety and anticipatory anxiety. And when you, when you start step eight, I know a lot of people, including myself, when you do it, you, you go, oh, man, I'm, you like immediately start thinking about what will that person say? This step eight is about making a list. 
nothing more. It's not about you're not going to these people right away, and some of them you may may not be ever appropriate uh, to 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 go in contact because it may damage you know relationships now. And so, uh, this step is so important and crucial because it helps relieve. It's the final this step and step nine relieve that final I guess burden, and then after that you're on to the maintenance steps that keeps you free from your addiction for the rest of your life. So. Um, with this step, I, this scripture comes to mind. It's something I actually shared today with a friend um, who I'm training for work. He's 50 years old. Uh, he's had gone through probably five or six divorces. Definitely had uh, – he's a pro hockey player at one point. Um, definitely drugs and alcohol throughout his life. Probably was really – he not probably. He really was successful um, at certain points of his life, but – He's struggling right now, and um, but he's found this new faith in God. And spending time with him with work, I've got to also talk about a lot of other things and get that he's you know he's a hardcore Christian, and um, he actually is married to an ex Mormon who served her mission like a return missionary. Anyway, so we just had a lot of good conversations, and um, but he's just like me or anyone else. He's focusing on how am I going to pay my bills tomorrow? You know, how am I? What am I going to do tomorrow? Like when yet if if he just slows down. And I take this from my own words. If I just slow down and I focus on the present, I can usually accomplish anything in front of me, right? Because we have God's help when we do that, right? And we have the Spirit's help. But when we focus on the future, you can't, you know, you set goals, but you can't control it. But anyways, this is a scripture that came to mind when I, he, was te- he was talking to me this morning. He was so worried about paying his bills next month and this, that, and the other. And um, It's uh, Matthew uh, Matthew 23, or 620, or 6. Matthew 6, verse 34, it says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for things of itself. And then it goes on. But um, I think that's, it's, it's crucial. Like, you know, when you read this first step, it, you know, don't worry about step nine. You just worry about step eight and, and making a list. And uh, not only when I did this step, I still currently have to do this because I still make mistakes. So it's not a one-time thing. And if you're like me, you're still going to make people mad. And you're still going to do things that are wrong. And you're still going to also be offended by other people. People are still going to wrong you throughout your life. It's just part of life. It's an experience that we get to have throughout this life to teach us things. And I've actually used this within the last year by sobriety. So being sober over four years. First of all, it's a massive opiate addict. Consumed thousands of prescription pills a month. Um, and I would have taken more if I had more opportunity to take more. That's just what I could afford to get my hands on and what I could steal from people's houses. But uh, uh, I never would have thought that uh, I'd be able to live a sober day, let alone be able to, um, at this end here, in preparation for making amends, many of us found this following exercise helpful. Think of someone for whom you have hard feelings, right? Well, if you're like me, you have, I used to blame a lot of people, and I still can get in that mindset and it says for two weeks deliberately kneel and it doesn't have to be two weeks but the point is is you're doing an exercise that you probably have never done before get on your knees and pray for them that they'll get all the success and all the things that you would want for yourself and I've done this just pretty recently with someone who I've had a massive resentment against for a long for a long time uh, and uh, it worked and it didn't work right away it definitely wasn't a two-week process that just was like oh now I just love this person. Like now I just want to make amends to him for the things I've done wrong. No, but I, I kept going back to it. It didn't work right away. It worked right away, and then something happened, and I was still not letting go. It was, it was, a lot of it was me. I had to let go. Right? I had to let go and forgive. And when I was able to forgive, then I was able to see people. You know, I was able to mend a relationship and get honest and and with the things that I had done. And I actually have a recent a friend. Right now and just just challenges i mean this is something i just used the other day and i i just i have such a testimony in this program because uh i i personally would not 
be able to to make amends with people, to sit, take the time and sit down and write a list out and pray for people. When I came into this program, I was broken. I couldn't think past the moment. I had to worry about my next fix, and it was a freaking cycle that was it was killing me. Every day, I was I was just dying slowly, and I and I was too. I was killing myself, but like doing it in a slow manner because I was too coward to actually kill myself. And 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 I say that because uh, that's how it really was. I was miserable, and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And luckily, um, someone that I love dearly, my wife, uh, decided to set healthy boundaries with me for the first time and say, you know, enough is enough. You know, I'm not gonna be treated like this. I'm out. And she meant it, and she kept it, and she kept her word, and she left me. That changed my life. I could have kept going, but I decided to stop. And, uh, dude, it didn't all come back at once. It took a long time, but I'm sitting here before you right now sober. And uh, it's been four years of ups and downs, but I'm sober. And I don't have to look to drugs or alcohol, gambling or pornography or all these things to, to get a fix anymore. I can just deal with life. And uh, if, I go, if I go to a meeting consistently once a week or twice a week, three, four times a week, if I go to meetings, I always find the solution back in the steps. Like for the resentment I had towards this one person, it took, it took weeks and weeks before finally the spirit was like, hey, buddy, why don't you just do the step that, that you need to do for this one person, which was this step, you know, in step nine, and it worked. So if I hadn't been, if I had just gotten sober and did this 12 steps my first year and never came back, that resentment would have probably took me out because it was that big. It was one that was just eating me up. I thought about it all the time, and I became a victim, and... Um, now I have nothing but gratefulness and gratitude in my heart, which is uh, something that's a gift from God because, if, you know, uh, for me, my, my natural self is not always full of gratitude. I'm, I'm very, uh, I can be very, uh, I don't know what the word is, entitled. And, uh, but the Spirit's worked on me through this program, and it takes time. And I just love you guys that are, that are here. And, you know, I love seeing new people here at the meeting. You know, I know what it's like. And, uh, uh just grateful these steps saved my life and um i'm just i'm just grateful i don't have to wake up and 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 uh have to run to my freaking drawer to open up and get pills before i could face my day but it takes time and you got to be willing to do what it takes if you don't put in the work i promise you you'll never get sober and i hate making that promise but it's reality i had to do the work and i had to actually open this book and trust someone else for once in my life and just do whatever they said. Xander, oh, my friend Xander always says, like, if he got to the point where his sponsor said, if, if, are you willing to go stand on the street corner, rub your stomach and pat your head and stand on one leg? Would you, would you do it if I told you to as your sponsor? And he said, yeah. He goes, all right, I'll sponsor you. And he's, he got sober. So, you know, I, I, that's how I look at this thing. And uh, I just love you guys, and I, I hope everyone shares tonight and feels comfortable to share. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. amen.
Jay, we have Tristan here. Yes, we do. Excited about this one. Hi, Tristan. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Doing good. Tristan is actually a, been a fan of the podcast for a while. We've communicated through some direct messages. And I actually, Tristan, do you have, do you identify yourself as an addict? So I personally don't. Um, I'm one of the few guys um, in my situation that hasn't really experienced an addiction. Okay. And there's, as far as, and pornography hasn't really been an issue for me. So, but I know that it easily could be. So how'd you find the podcast then? Because you know the podcast is mainly about addiction, right? Yeah. So I am friends with a lot of addicts. Like I, I know dozens of people who suffer with struggle with different addictions, mainly pornography, but um, some with substance abuse. Okay. And yeah, they just recommended that I check it out because you guys did a, a session on same sex attraction. Yeah, that one episode. That's another good point. Why, yeah. why, did, why did that one stand out to you? Uh, what, what is oddly, your Instagram think, name? What is your Instagram name? <laughs> well, my Instagram name is the gay RM, so that might have something to do with it, I suppose. Probably. Uh, okay. Probably. Could be. So that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast because you mentioned on one of your posts, like, I'm not an a, a addict, but I can relate to the topics and the discussion we do. And, yeah. And I... Uh, I actually love the fact that the church changed the or is changing or some of it talks about the 12 steps of change versus addiction recovery yeah. program, because that's really what it is. It's about using the atonement to change. And yeah, and we all have different. We have the experiences of life and carnal desires, the carnal desires and they're all very different. I don't understand Jay's attraction to excess. Yeah. Or excess. Yeah. Right. Like period. Let alone drugs, yeah. um, and I don't understand the same-sex attraction, but I think that the twelve steps and the atonement and the gospel can work in all of our lives. Whether mine right. is swearing or some other thing, and yours is same-sex attraction, and Jay's is opiates, right? Yeah, you agree with that, Tristan? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I and I think a lot of people, correct me if I'm wrong, but like. Um, they get they they're so scared of that word addiction that they're like, "Whoa, that's not me. That's not me." And they yeah. don't they don't even try to apply the principles. But I think these are very well. So I wanted to just dive in and hear about your story and how maybe some of the 12 steps have helped you. In yeah, let's go to town. Continuing. So, you are a return missionary and you're gay. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Where'd you dun, serve dun, your mission? <laughs> Where dun, dun, dun. Where'd you serve your mission? I served in Atlanta. Awesome. Georgia. And mm -hmm. you, you, when did you uh, first uh, start to discover that you had, am I okay saying gay and same subtraction as synonyms, or do you prefer one or the other? Um, you, I'm okay with either. Um, What's, what, so are, how do I not offend people that are maybe listening? Um, it depends on where they're at, because a lot of people who, um, if they don't want to be associated with the modern gay movement or with the lifestyle that's associated with that, they prefer same sex attracted. Um, and some people are just like, whatever, because gay is a lot easier. So um, less offensive would be, I guess that I, you may be not either one, right? Okay. So yeah, you folks, can, if you you're listening, we're, no one's ever trying to offend I, anyone I, on this podcast. I, they both may slip out back and forth and there's no deeper meaning to either of them when we use them. So, um, so when did you first, uh, figure out that this you had same subtraction so um i would say when i was six or seven i started recognizing that i was drawn to both 
boys and girls. And eventually the girl part kind of disappeared. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, and, I could definitely see it when I was that young. And so growing up uh, and you're hearing in young men, you grew up in the church? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so grew up in the church and you're going to get married and happily in the temple and happily ever after what was going through your mind. Well, my favorite line was you have been blessed from your heavenly father as a sign of his love um, with attractions toward women. And that is the ultimate fulfillment of the plan of salvation. And so here I was just this deacon thinking, okay, well, I guess God doesn't love me because he didn't bless me with those attractions. Wow. Oh, wow. That's heavy. Yeah. It's a heavy, heavy, heavy burden when you're that young. Did you reconcile at that time? Or what was. Probably didn't talk to anyone, huh? I didn't talk to anybody. Because, like, yeah. Yeah. Who are you going to talk to when you're that age? That would be like me. Yeah. 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 It's just hard. Okay. So, when did uh, you come to terms with this and come out of the. Can you say come out of the closet? Is that appropriate term still? Open. When did you you come open? Yeah, you can say either. Okay. Um, when I was when I was eighteen, um, because I had been ruminating, uh, going over it in my head over and over for a long time, obviously. And when I was eighteen, I decided that I needed to talk to my bishop because I didn't even know if gay people could go on missions. Yeah. Because you're going to be living with a guy twenty four seven. Yeah. That sounds problematic. So, um, I told my bishop. Um, that was a fun experience. I bet. Yeah, had some yeah. serious courage. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. Because, I mean, think how many guys go out, just like with, uh, if they're straight, they go out with a porn addiction, or they go out, they were right. having sex with their girlfriend every day until they left on their mission, you know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot of people yeah. that, I know, yeah, a lot of people that do that, so mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing that you came out and said that right before. What was his counsel? Like, what did he go into? Well, you know, the first things out of his mouth were, Tristan, I think we need to put you on testosterone supplements. <laughs> wow. Really? So I was like, okay, I need to recalibrate how I'm coming at this. Thing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Like, I have plenty of body hair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and now, for everyone listening, if you're not a member in our church, these are people that are not paid professional bishops. These are people yeah. that have been called to do a work that is way mainly above, when I say pay grade, I mean literally because we don't get paid, but also way above like stuff that you're used to, right? There's no like no counseling, month-long, year-long training. You get a manual and say, here you go. So so for this guy, like when you tell him that, like first time I told him I had drug, they're just like, I mean, they're just like, well, just stop. Like, right? Like, well, you just don't pick up. And I'm like, yeah, no, I've tried that. And that's why I'm here because I can't. You know what I mean? Like they don't know how to say like, I'll never forget when I came home from a mission and I started having trouble getting with pornography and drugs. And they were just like, well, just stop. Just read your scripture. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm to a point now where I can't even function. Like, let alone right. read my scriptures to get out of this mess. So anyways, so I know where you're coming from with that. So then what was it, where do you go from there then? How how'd you um, end up? What do you say about a mission? What did he say about all this stuff? He said that I needed to go to an LDS Family Services counselor to make yeah. sure I wasn't like too gay to function. What, what does that mean? Too gay to function? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably was more concerned that you were going to act out, right? Yeah, that, right. Yeah, that, exactly. Okay. And then, yeah, that's did time he use you, that word "too gay to function," or is that your word? <laughs> uh, that's that's my. That's okay, your sarcasm. Um, but uh, at the same time, too, uh, did you? Did he? I'm sure asked you right away. Have you acted out, right? Yeah. And then you were like, no, or had you? Um, I haven't. I hadn't acted out. Okay, so there you go. So you were like, okay, no. So then he's probably like, okay, well. 
he needs to go to a counselor just to make sure. Yeah. A, he could be not telling the truth, right? Like, there's a lot of people right. who don't tell the truth in these interviews, and that's yeah. missionaries come home. And yeah, the, a lot of the people that are in our 12-step meetings, it, they grow closer as they like. Well, no, they yeah. they have a problem so bad later because then they source it back to when they were dishonest yeah. to a bishop when they were 16, 17, 18 years old, totally. and they buried it yeah. like I'm never telling anyone yep. this sin or this attraction or whatever it is, and then it blows up later in life. Totally. So, um, I guess that seems like yeah. wise. Seem except for the testosterone, wise counsel to like. <laughs> yeah, this is your was, first time coming to terms good. with it. Go talk to a counselor and yeah, help you come that to terms good. with this. Yeah, that was definitely needed, and I recommend it to basically anyone with same sex attraction to go to a counselor. So Not, it's a good thing, it's a good experience. Yeah, and, yeah and, absolutely. And, and and you mentioned I want to get into it later about this modern gay movement, but this isn't like to fix gay. They talk about I'm going to go to right. fix gayness. I'm, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> they were basically like any counseling. They really just so you can wrap your brain around who you are as a person. Yeah, and and to live a happy, functioning life and have peace. It wasn't like he was whipping out the electrodes to try and shock me into yeah, yeah. liking girls. So okay, there was nothing like that. Okay, so then you because growing up in the church, right? Like I want to go to this because I think we do have a lot of people that aren't members listening, or maybe they're converts listening, like I was, and I wish I had something like this to listen to. But um, they're probably you're the, if you have something like this or something similar, like even if it's a girl, um, you know, also as a lesbian, or like even just I think about myself when I joined the church, I had this like massive sex and porn addiction, right? Because that's yeah. was norm that I didn't even the word addiction didn't even come into my mind for that. Like right. I didn't even know back in 2004 that there was such thing as porn addiction or sex addiction. I'm like, dude, you're not married. You do what you want. Like, you know, and that's yeah. how I looked at it. So when I joined the church, I was game for all the principles. And we didn't even really go over not having sex until you're married. It just would, you know, of course, when you were married, when you're someone, married, don't when you're married, yeah, right. yeah, you have, you're like, oh, so yeah. I'm like, cool, I'm not married. Like, and I joined the church with a girlfriend. <laughs> and so, man, we just broke every commandment ever. And it wasn't actually until a couple months, but I'm filling out my paperwork now. I've been a member for a year. And I had a friend who was going to see the bishop. It's a funny story because I, I was like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I got to go see my bishop. I'm like, that's a great thing. I love seeing my bishop. What do you mean? We're about ready to both go on our mission. And he's like, no, man, I messed up this, that, the other. And I'm like, so why do you got to go talk to your bishop? Like, what do you mean you messed up? And he's like, well, I looked at pornography, this, that, and the other, right? And I go, well, so you go see your bishop for that? Like, like I mean, that's how I found out. That like certain things, you know, you go to a bishop and so I'm like, oh my gosh, then I got to go. I've been having sex with my girlfriend the entire time. I mean, this is pretty open. But I mean, I want to be open. That's the whole point is that like right. you're not a bad person because you may have a, like for me, that was something that was my youngest age. You say seven, five years old, I remember. Yeah. Uh, like other kids weren't even considering women and that's all I consider. You know what I mean? Like it was just yeah. at so, a young age, I was turned. Yeah. That's just the way it was. So the world would tell you, Jay, to embrace that. That's yeah. natural. Then they do. No different than the world would tell you, embrace that. You're attracted that's who to you are. same sex. Absolutely. Go, why why deny yourself of this? You're going to be miserable. You're only going to be happy if you embrace that. And why did you decide yeah. not to do that? So like why yeah. you're here today. Because there's why? plenty of voices saying the church. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at, at 18... Were you, I mean, were you feeling that pull from both sides? Um, or was your testimony so strong and you just relied on faith? Or, I mean, that'd be, that, that's a loud voice in the world. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was definitely difficult. Um, as a teenager, I worked for um, Proposition 8 and Proposition 102. Um, for, for it? Um, for the passing making, event? Yeah, yeah. And so during that time, there was a lot of, uh, upset people at church saying things that 
you know, they, I guess it never occurred to them that there was someone who was struggling with that in their own congregation, in their own class. So I, I had a lot of mixed messages as far as feeling welcome in the church. But I decided at a very young age that I needed to know whether the church was true or not, um, because it, that would shape my entire life. And so I, I read the Book of Mormon at a young age, and I, I feel like I developed a really strong testimony um, as a child. And, and so for me, like I've thought about acting out on my feelings, but I know that I wouldn't be happy because the whole time I would remember how much, how strongly I believe in the gospel. How do you, how much that is important to yeah, me. so how, what's the source of your testimony on that as far, because the world says you're not happy because you're not acting out on it. You will be happy if you act out on it. And that, that's very enticing, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hear it all the time, which is part of the reason why I'm speaking out because we need to talk about the other side of this. Totally. Um, and and yeah. I'll relate it back to Jay. Jay, you hear the enticing of, because you mentioned it in some of our meetings of like, man, if I could just have that one pill or this, yeah, like, like you right romanticize. Now. Romanticize marijuana. There was a time in my sobriety over the last four and a half years where in the beginning I was like so anti, but then like I was listening to the world and like, you know, you start reading, watching documentaries on marijuana and this, that, and the other. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. maybe. Or then it's no different than like pornography. There's people out there that say masturbation, pornography, that's all, that's extremely healthy. Now there's more yeah. stuff that's anti than there ever has been. But at the same time, the world like, has its way. Like Ten years ago, there was not. There Nothing. wasn't like, you know, porn kills love. There wasn't Nothing. this. Yeah, right. None yeah. of these Instagram accounts. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram wasn't there. So, <laughs> you know, it's people like you that are helping so much. And so we're grateful for that. But, yeah, so, I mean, I look at it. When you said that, it's kind of like, like I said, I felt the same way. That I I joined the church because of these principles. And now was I going to pick and choose my one principle? Because I'm not going to lie. Like, at first, I was like, well, do I tell this bishop every – I go back to when I was 18. I'm like, do I tell yeah. him everything? Or 19, I was like, do I tell him everything or do I hold back some of it? Because, and then I realized like I had such a firm testimony in the entire gospel that this was one that was a new one being challenged. And it was like, well, if I if I start picking and choosing, then I'm gonna start, then it's all gonna just crumble. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I just want to so, emphasize too that if bishops and state presidents, for that matter, bishops, state presidents are a little more seasoned on it. But you know, there's many bishops there. That's their first, probably his first time ever. Having yeah. someone come in and saying, I've got this These are normal issue. dudes just like me. He's like, he's selling insurance an hour ago, and then he's in the yeah. office, and he's like... <laughs> the white shirt and tie. White shirt and tie, and we sometimes put him up on this pedestal like they... Like they're perfect. They're perfect, and right. they know all answers. Um, they will receive revelation for you, but they're still just men and... That's why you recommend counseling, it, so. right? Like, you're, like, counseling them. Yeah. So I take I take yeah. the reaction of the grain of salt. Without without going into too much Absolutely. detail, but, like, you know, I want you to speak a lot, too, and I want to I want to hear, like, so when, when you go to counseling, what uh, what type of benefit did you... what what you When you walk away from counseling at 18 or whenever, you did it up for how long before you went on your mission? Um, the whole time, because they... From the first visit, um, they said, you know, you're absolutely fine as far as your attractions go. Like you're, you have a lot of self-control and you, you're going to, you know, you're going to keep the commitments that you make yeah. when you go in on your mission. Um, but you do have major depression and yeah. anxiety. So they identified other stuff. They identified yeah. other stuff. So what, what, what's your biggest takeaway from that whole experience? Pre-mission. Pre-mission. Like I'm going to counseling for the first time because if someone's listening, they're on the verge if they want to tell someone, but they're like yeah. so scared and they're like, ah, oh, is everyone going to accept me? What's your experience going right. into detail? Well, 
yeah, and some and something that I find a lot in common with me and with a lot of addicts is just the shame factor. Totally. Um, that no one else could be experiencing this, especially if they're members of the church their whole lives. Who totally like, unique. You say that a lot, right? Got there. Yeah, that we're in in my group of friends. We say nobody's a snowflake. Um, that we're all pretty similar in a lot of ways, and that we don't need to be ashamed. Um, and so that was something that was really helpful for me um, to tell a counselor everything. And then he's like, oh, okay. Like, this is the part where you get repulsed and like, tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> waiting for the repulsive. Yeah. Yeah. And he had yeah, done the same but, act. You know, and that's he's like, um, when, when you work, in, absolutely when, normal thing. when you work the 12 steps, because not everyone goes to a counselor, um, but part of it's working with a sponsor that you have that exercise of clearing your chest and you're waiting for the reaction. And then you're like, yeah, okay, no big deal. You talk about yeah. all the time. And I then, just talked to a new guy yesterday. He called me. He's new in the program. It's life's in the shambles, marriage, the whole thing. And he's telling me some stories that I could tell he's like telling, waiting for me to go, whoa, you did? <laughs> you I'm did like, what? I'm yeah. like, I'm going, okay, that's, oh, that's it? I'm kind of like, oh, man, why, why is your wife even mad? But you know what I mean? Because yeah. to me, I'm like, man, that's nothing. Man. Yeah. I've, I've heard some crazy stories. I've done crazy things. And so, um, so you do that. You find out that, hey, man, the same sex attraction is actually lesser problem. Like the depression that I'm suffering because of X, Y, and yeah. Z, maybe things in the past, things you're dealing with in the present. Yeah. Um, so then you, I imagine, just like any other counseling, you gain the tools to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. Right? And then now you're, you're no longer shaming, you're, right? The shame's starting to be lifted. I was talking to yeah. this guy yesterday about it. I was like, hey, the biggest thing for recovering addicts is overcoming the shame in the beginning. You want someone to yeah, gain, yeah, gain the tools for future and be sober forever. They gotta, you gotta help them. The only thing that we do as sponsors, is like, really, I really feel like in the beginning is just help people overcome the shame. I try to make mm -hmm. people feel so comfortable, but then also like not a, you know, not an enabler, but also just like, hey, yeah. dude, like that's cool. Tell, tell me everything. Oh, cool. Like you know what I mean? And like we yeah. just work from there. A lot of people that don't have addiction, family members, spouses, maybe you had friends. Did you have any friends or family when you came out? Like kind of. How hard will you yeah, know you get shunned not by understand anybody? It? Uh, no, my my family is super supportive. Oh, you're lucky. So That's I good. I part of my I'm sure part of my um, testimony and dedication to the gospel comes from how supportive my family is. Cool. And they're they're really strong in the church. Yeah. What about friends? Um, for the most part, my friends have been totally fine with it. A couple of them like got a little bit more quiet in our relationship yeah but that's the exception but the but the reality is even parents like people don't know what to say like i was asking you to be like can i say this can i say this can i say yeah. that and you know i'm not hanging with you all the time so right um if i'm with you all the time i'd be even more sensitive because like wow is he gonna think i'm a jerk for asking this question so you <laughs> almost edge on the side of not asking or not engaging in a conversation but then that also comes across as you you notice a change in relationship and and it could be just well and it leads to the culture like you were saying in the beginning too uh, that basically we like you're like me you want to we want to talk about these things like we want to get them out so that way hopefully you know i don't want to change policy in the church but i want to do is change culture right. like i want to be an influencer to be like let's just have a discussion like gospel doctrine is great for doctrine priesthood elders corner like those things like that's where we talk about like the real stuff like that's what i yeah i want to talk we're about supposed like, to. yeah we're supposed to but it yes. doesn't happen it goes into another doctrine class let me teach a lesson yeah and it's like no i don't want to have two classes yeah. on gospel doctrine it's too much man i already did the yeah mission. Like, <laughs> i don't want to have two i don't want to hear two guys you know tell me stuff to read i want to talk like i want to talk yeah, about what's then, really going on yeah 
Okay, I want to get in because we don't have a ton of time. Um, what is the LDS modern gay movement? The LDS. Well, yeah. is there two? Is there a? Is it you, separate? you mentioned modern gay movement, and then is there a, right. a subset of that? Like the because I I called you, I hunted you down after listening to a podcast <laughs> of a fairly well known uh, member of the church who uh, is gay, and then uh, just had a meltdown type thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Like, how do you go from here to here this quick? And so I called you right away. Uh, but it so maybe there's two different. Is there a modern gay movement? Let's talk about that. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah. So, and and we do have a lot to thank the gay movement um, as far as being able to talk about this now because 30 years ago, you know, I definitely wouldn't have come out of the closet. Um, but the the may the the modern gay movement is just this is who you are. Um, and there's kind of like a veiled threat. Like you can, you can come out as gay, but you can't just transition back to being straight or it's kind of like a fixed thing. You can only, you can only go one way. Yeah. You can only go one way. Um, and that that's the only way that you can be authentic and happy is if you live a lifestyle of dating people of your same sex and pursuing relationships. It seems ironic that, the if that's the culture that wants acceptance that they're not accepting of if you feel differently than that right you as an yeah individual. i'm yeah i'm a minority within a minority that's crazy um, think about <laughs> minority yeah. within a minority that's gnarly yeah. when you think about it yeah um, for sure and is there within the lds uh you're you're uh, mentioned like there's groups uh that you meet with or fellowship with yeah that have same-sex attraction. Is there different factions within that with that have this? Because the vo- the vocal group from that I see is this that hey the church is going to change. They're just they're just out right. of date. These old dudes are going to f- come around the bend. Just buying time. We're just yeah. buying time until we get this new right. generation where we'll be able to get married with a same-sex couple and we'll be able to adopt and I'll be in the temple with my with my same-sex partner and I'll be blessing yeah. my baby up on the stand like. I've read these tearful or watched them, these tearful, yeah, you know, heartbroken that the, the church is, you know, they're leaving now because they realize the church is not going to change that. But um, but there's that side. And then there's ones yeah. I think that are like you, that it's a probably a quieter crew crew yes. that that some are like, look, I have same sex attraction because there's a lot of drug addicts that are that are in recovery that no one knows they're in recovery. Totally. And but they're fight. They every day they want to go get high. They want to get drunk, but if they said that to someone, yeah. that would freak someone else out. The fact that they yeah. have that, they're driving, they're walking to the grocery store and they're like, oh man, I want to pick up that bottle. Yeah. They, like, yeah. To be honest, like, dude, don't get me wrong. Like, dude, if I could, if I could, if I'd be lying to anyone that said like, I didn't want to get high on opiates, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like if, if you had yeah. a mop, if I didn't have any consequences, you know what I mean? Or take a drink. Like if I, I used to, I used to battle with that, that I could, I could live both lives. And now yeah. I don't battle that anymore. See, I've accepted but because the tools of recovery gave you that, that that tools that, of acceptance, and then that freeze. It's just like probably for yourself. You say, "Yeah, I have same sex attraction." Boom to, to the guy I was sponsoring that was the same way. He said it re- it relieved the obsession of the mind to want to go back and forth. Just like when I finally said, "Yeah, drugs don't work for me." Believe it or not, it took me forever. It took me losing my wife. It took me losing a lot of things. So I finally was like, "Okay, 
maybe that I have a problem with drugs. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's not the drugs yeah. have a problem with me. It's, you know, it's, you know, the whole picture. I'd accept it. And then I got to move on. So you're part of this rare movement. And what do you, what is, what is like your vision? Like, what is, I know what my vision is. And what, like I said, with culture, trying to make it more acceptable. What are you trying to do? Because you have an Instagram account that's very straight up. What is that Instagram account? We already talked about The gay RM. And you blog. And you blog. Okay. So what are you trying to do there? So I, you guys have actually asked me like five different questions. I'm not sure which one. (laughs) We talk a lot. (laughs) That's why we do a podcast because we're over talkers. Pick one of those and answer it. And I will bite my tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, sorry. There are, there are different groups um, of members of the church. I belong to North Star International and you can, you We'll, the, we'll link that in our show notes. Yeah. The website LDS Voices of Hope was my first exposure to the um, the notion that there are members of the church who are active and believe in the gospel and are committed to the commandments who also experience same-sex attraction and they can live happily. And so that's, that's the group that I associate with. The LDS Voices um, of Hope? Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a project created by North Star. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I'm really involved with North Star, and I've written some things for them, and um, I the another thing that you asked is about the LDS gay movement, um, and the church is really trying to make sure that everyone realizes that they're welcome, and that if you experience a temptation or something that other people don't necessarily identify with or understand, that doesn't mean that you're not needed and that you're not a part of the plan of salvation. Right. Or that you're doing something wrong. Like we all are tempted. Right. But that's just a, you have a temptation I don't have. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I have some that you don't have. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I, my, my motivation um, on my mission, I decided that I was going to start a blog because um, we were we we're really invo- involved with the I'm a Mormon campaign um, and and using social social media to share the gospel. And I wanted to be able to reach as many people as I could to show them that there is another choice. Um, my patriarchal blessing talks a lot about agency and how um, my purpose is to help other people to make the right choices. And to to be a, a defense uh, in well to be a voice in defense of agency, and yeah. so that's why I've shared my story um, and I share insights that I gain through my my journey. Well, that, that's um, awesome to hear because I the the mixed message within the uh, LGBTQT movement is embrace that versus embrace the gospel principles, right? Right, um, yeah. And I think what, if I can, sp- I'll, I'll try to, sp- some of the feelings are it, when you're up, I think some people that, that may, I don't know if they do judge you as the right saying, Jay, is when you're up there saying you're not, you're not saying embrace drug and alcohol use. Yeah. yeah. You're saying this is who I am and I've overcome it. And that's why you talk about it a lot. Because there's a lot of people that don't, uh, don't break anonymity. Yeah. And I'd say the same with with you, it sounds like uh, Tristan that not a lot of people that that have same sex attraction that have it quote in check or are not acting on it are talking about it all the time because it's 
Right. They don't want that to identify them, but you're choosing to identify so that other people that I've had addicts tell me that I've had addicts be like, yeah. well, dude, I like, it's cool that that's for you, like about me and my life. And they're like, but like, I don't want to be that guy. They don't want to be the yeah. guy getting calls at midnight every night, you know, like from, from, yeah. And, <laughs> but and I do, you know, to me, I found that that's that, that not only does it help, I have a talent, right. To help someone because of God's made my challenge, right. Ether 12, 27. But yeah, but mainly too because dude, I stay sober because of it. Like, and I thrive off. Like, I enjoy it. Does, I don't look at it as like time wasted at all. Like, I it doesn't Absolutely. even cross my mind. It literally doesn't even, you know, taking that three hour phone call or thirty minutes doesn't even. They don't. They're both the same to me. Like because mm-hmm. it's just like this is my life. So it's, it comes so second nature. So that's I commend you. Not too many people are out there. Well, no, I see. You yeah, guys are the like, same. Oh, I think it's awesome. Well, there's not even a lot of even that are straight, right? Like when you think about it, like there's not a lot of straight guys doing what I'm doing with drugs and alcohol. They're they're going out right. for porn for for porn, like and saying like in the church, like yeah. I'm a porn at. Like if I guarantee Brad, if we started doing this thing and uh, not maybe the podcast necessarily because it's a wider audience, but in our state, mm-hmm. the way it's taken off, if I yeah. would have been going up to everyone from the podium saying I'm a porn addict. You know, yeah. in recovery, like I started, I just say addict and I let your imagination go wherever it is. But if, for all you listening, if you want to know, I've been addicted to everything and I can get addicted to anything. So, you know, I, you know, when I, my carnal self or my natural man, as they put it in the scriptures is wide open and, and I have to keep it in check for all, all things. Cause it could just go. Yeah. I just have an addictive yeah. brain. So, yeah, I, I, I know that I do too. And that's, that's something that I've had to really work with because I've had a chronic illness for most of my life yeah, um, that causes me a lot of pain. And so I have a, a huge attraction to opiates totally. and like, I know that that's something that if I started doing, I wouldn't be able to stop. Good for um, you. For and, and so I, I recognize, and I'm related to a lot of addicts and I am friends with a lot of addicts. Something that I found on my mission was that my favorite lessons to teach were with people who are struggling with addictions. Word of wisdom. Because right. yeah, because a lot of like when those when you hit rock bottom with your addiction, your you, the humility is incredible, and you can have the most spiritual experiences um, in those in those conversations. So I, um, when I got home from my mission, I decided to pursue um, education to become a therapist and hopefully be able to help other people with um, with addictions. That's what you do now. That's he's going to school. You're yeah, going to school for, for right now. Where? What school are you at? We didn't say that. I go to BYU. Okay, awesome. So, stereotypical Mormon. Stereotypical. <laughs> so, do you have Do you have groups up there? In some ways. Yeah, I would say in some ways. Um, but hopefully in the future this will be because I mean guys like you and I are 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 just this is what we're our message is. We're no different than Brad who's able to keep his his thing in check. The only thing that's different is a little bit different experiences in life, but we both, me and him, have the same testimony. Like, we, we really do. Yeah. And, like, we're both trying to do the same thing, right? We're mm-hmm. trying to get our, you know, eternal salvation made out for ourselves, now our families, and you'll experience that with your family. Um, well, I have a question I didn't think about before. Up at BYU, is there is there groups? Because I only went to LDS Business College, then BYU-Hawaii. I know in Provo there's a lot of groups. Are you in Provo or Idaho? Do you care? Yeah, I'm in Provo. Okay. Are there groups and stuff like that? Like, because I know they had groups for a lot of things up there, like support groups outside of ARP. Um. Yeah. So the the school is getting a little bit better um, about addressing this. They have a support group called I think it's Reconciling Faith and Sexuality, um, that they do through the Counseling Center. That's cool. And um. There are, there are groups that meet off campus that form, that are supportive for yeah. LGBT 
So you're saying um, the Mormons don't all hate like gays? Like, what do you mean? Like, that's what I see on the news. All <laughs> yeah, it's Oli Reed. I know. That's all, that's, my, that's all you'll ever hear. That's all your friends tell you? That's all my friends. actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the conversation starter. Oh, you're gay. I hate you. Um, I no, hate you. Gay. And you're Mormon. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, you're Mormon, you're gay is oxymoron. I bet yeah. you when you talk to non-members, do you have like – do you ever have you ever got? Because I don't know what it is about me, but I, like I somehow work addiction into every conversation that I have yeah. with people. I, it's like a, it's I don't know if it's a good thing. It allows me to help a lot of people, but I do it with clients even like in my work, my like work life. But it's allowed me to have that opportunity to uh, build rapport with people, not to yeah, do anything, sure. but just to be closer to people and like get to know them. You have stuff like that, like with non-members, yeah. they get like, wow, it's crazy. You're Mormon, Andrew Gay. Wait, what? Yeah, it's. It's kind of a, a weird concept for people to get around. Um, and the church is helping to change that. Totally. Um, with the, especially with the update. The last website was so like sterile and the, the awkward. Mormon, but the the mormonandgay.ls.org? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, so the, the new one is a lot better. Um, they actually interviewed me um, oh. as a potential person profile on there. Oh, that'd be um, awesome. They wanted, yeah. Who do I got to write the, to get you in there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, they got Lori, yeah. Josh, and Tanya on there. Lori, yeah, yeah. We're reading there. We're on their website right now. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, they're Mac awesome. And I know a lot of the people on there. So okay. you recommend that if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, you, you recommend going to that, going to that other website, which we, we what was it again? We'll put it on our link, but uh, LDS Star. Voices of Hope. LDS yeah. Voices of Hope. Okay. We'll end it up here. Yeah. So if you, I want you to just give a couple of words of advice to two groups of people. One is you're a teenager. Uh, at that stage, maybe before mission or during or after, mm -hmm. and you're like, you're trying to reconcile this uh, same sex attraction and the gospel. What do you give me a minute? Yeah, advice to well, that person. It it is completely possible to be happy and to be a member in both standing temple recommend worthy member of the church and experience same sex attraction and. It will take time for you to reconcile things and you do need to reach out to people and to have a support network and to develop a relationship with your savior in order to reach that point. Because if you don't pursue a testimony, um, then you're not going to be happy because the, the tension will be very strong for you. And, but and uh, the, and yeah. would you have a voice of warning of what support community? Cause there's, on any high school, there's a LG. I'm gonna get the initials yeah. messed up. There's a sort community that'll say, "Yeah, man, the, embrace those feelings you have and go for it. Live your, you know, live your life and yeah. embrace those sexual feelings you have." Where where can they go find a support community if they're in Idaho or Ohio or Florida right. or we are we're worldwide on this podcast? So you're in another country. There's websites like LDS Voice of Hope. Any others that they could go right. to? They could reach out to um, you, right, on Instagram, the Gay RM. Yeah, uh huh. And North Star LDS. Um, there's there are a lot of groups on Facebook, um, but I I definitely recommend North Star, okay. um, especially if you're wanting to stick in the church. And and there there are other groups that they all have something to contribute. Some are more affirmative that just love you as you are, and some people need that in certain points of their life. Um, and so there there is help to be found out there. And I do recommend. Actually, I heartily suggest that you talk with your bishop because you do need to have priesthood stewardship in your life, um, and they will be able to help you. They're not perfect. They're not uh, doctorate um, holding men with 
you know, who studies psychology and that sort PhD of thing. PhD in sexual psychology. They don't have those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, surprisingly, but yeah, you do need to reach out to other people because if you carry this burden by yourself, then it's, it's going to be too much for you to bear. And the same thing goes for addiction. Um, there reaches a point where you have to have someone else to help you up. So I, I definitely recommend reaching out to people. Okay. Last one's to a parent parents. So, uh, parents or friends, like even if, friends, like, yeah. if someone who's a friend of someone yeah. who may have just came out, what is your advice to them to help? Well, the first, first thing I would say is to be willing to communicate, be willing to listen and to let go of the preconceptions that you have about gay people or about sexuality in general. Um, just be able to listen to them and see where they're coming from because a lot of their hesitancy to be open um, with you and to be honest is that oftentimes they'll they'll perceive you as being judgmental or have a certain mindset toward homosexuality and so they won't want to talk to you about it um, and that's exactly what they need to do is to communicate so be willing to listen um, be uh, be gracious in recognizing the honor of their vulnerability um, because that's, that's huge. a huge thing especially with something like this it's so stigmatized that to open up to you is a huge sign of trust for them um, and recognize that especially if they grew up in the church that that's particularly difficult um, because they've been told their whole life that they need to get married in the temple to someone of the opposite gender and that's like the way to be the best mormon possible and so the it's recognize that it's been a very difficult thing for them. Um, and finally, that you, the love, you need to have love for them no matter what they choose, especially like, and, and this goes with any child with any temptation, because if you have a child who walks away from the gospel and lives a lifestyle that's not conducive to, um, you know, the spirit and to, living, mean going to the temple, that sort of thing. Um, you need to be able to assure them that if they choose to come back, that you're not going to judge them and that you're going to accept them. Um, just like the father in the parable of the prodigal son, that yeah. you have, that this is a safe place that you can come as you are and that you're, you'll be accepted. You don't have to affirm every action and you don't have to enable every lifestyle but recognize that we all are children of God. And as cliche as that sounds, we all have divine worth. And for me, um, recognizing that I am a child of God, I, re I realized that the only way to be authentic to myself was to live the, the gospel. And to live any other lifestyle would be disingenuous and inauthentic. And I would be living a lie if I was to live a lifestyle that didn't bring me closer to Christ. So, boom, Tristan, you've been awesome. You probably have to get to class. Yeah. Thank you. We want to have you time. on here again. We appreciate you, man. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. By the way, for those of you listening, we're doing this over Skype, right? So, I mean, if you want to if you message us, if you're an addict in recovery and you want to talk about your story and, uh, Brad will probably be the one to reach out to you because Brad <laughs> does most of the work because he's good at all the work. I'm kind of, uh, Scatterbrain. But anyways, we appreciate you, man. And your courage is huge. And I promise you that this is helping who knows how many people because yeah. this will be on the internet for a long time. So 
yeah way longer than us excellent so. all right Tristan, thank you for thank what you. you do virtual high five boom high five Ka-ching. Yeah.